0: Cool. Well, Jeanette and I are going to talk a little bit about um, Manifest Presence, which we went to as elders, and we've been going to it for the last three or four years. Um, we've kind of identified it as, as the, the conference we'll attend, spend time together. Um, it's sort of an annual retreat to, and to, um, what we believe is also coming under some great teaching as well. Bill Johnson's been coming for 14 years, um, but there's been others that have been there. Randy Clark, Jedidiah Thurner, Michael Maiden, Samantha Evans of Planet Shakers, Banning Liebshire, um, you know, influential people doing great things in God, and um, yeah. This year, the, the key speaker in addition to Bill Johnson was Sean Boltz, who I had only heard of, uh, and she's, Jeanette is going to share. He's got an amazing gift of words of knowledge and words of prophecy, and uh, it was just amazing, yeah. How many people here have been to Manifest Presence? Several of you have done it over the years, haven't you? Well, I'd just like you to know that it's going to get easier from next year, that they're now going to do a three-city move around in Auckland, Wellington and Christchurch so we can all get along. And uh, so, yeah. The theme of Bill Johnson's teaching this year was calling us to be reformers, that is people who live for the benefit of a future generation. Isn't that a great call? Yeah. Hey, Isn't it awesome? We can be reformers um, to do stuff that either directly or indirectly helps others on their lives. So I just want to and the second part of it was he was encouraging us to stay reformers for our lives because there are things out there that can loosen our resolve. Yeah. So I just want to look at three things briefly of his this morning. Firstly, being a reformer, that is, a pe- people that live for the benefit of a future generation. And we're just going to look at that through, the book, uh, through parts of Hezekiah in 2 Kings, um, who was considered one of the greatest reformers, of certainly of the kings of, of that time in terms of what he did. Um, and scripture actually says there was no one like him amongst the kings of Judah. Um, Secondly, to stay on the course regardless of our status or prosperity or our blessing um, that we received or or live in, you know, staying as a child, (laughs) staying open. And thirdly, to continue in the role for the full span of our lives, starting when we're young and going from there. So what is a reformer? So I've already said something that... that, uh, Lives for the benefit of others. The dictionary says it's a person who makes changes to something in order to improve it. Isn't that great? Yeah. Isn't it a great thing to be? Yeah, I want to be a reformer. I want to do things that improve the lot of others. I want to change things that bring benefit to others. Um, uh, yeah, but we actually do a lot of it in a sense when we carry out our dreams and when we have our plans and dreams. For example. Any parent wants their child to surpass where they have gone, you know, and, and will sacrifice their lives for it. I want my children to be better than me. I talk to my kids about it, and they say, oh, come on, Dad, I'm going to have to set the bar a bit higher than that. <laughs> but uh, No, it's not here. My father grew up in, De- in Depression Island. Um, when they ate, they had jam sandwiches for breakfast. They had um, a cooked meal for lunch with a small amount of meat in it, um, and jam sandwiches for tea. Week in, week out and day in. Yeah. My f- grandfather was a very skillful man but only ever picked up piecemeal work as he went and um, there just wasn't a lot of money around at all. No bikes, no balls. They used to have balls by, they'd get papers and squash them together until they had something there. They had to improvise a lot. There was, there was just no resource. And he left, Dad left school at 13 but he, he um, joined, uh, he became a seaman and eventually came over to New Zealand. I think I've told you, jumped ship. Um, the ship sailed out, they, then he turned himself in, they saw, he thought they'd throw him out, but they fined him 50 pounds at a pound a week for a year, and he stayed. But when he got here and got his house in his quarter acre section, and he let his, his siblings, brother and sister, know about it, they were, they were just amazed, you know, how can it be? But my dad wanted better than he'd had all the way through. Just in relation to that, I had the privilege of being a secondary school teacher for a few years, and as all teachers will tell you, when you see a penny drop or a lime, uh, you know the light come on, there's it's just there's no buzz like it. It's just it's just awesome. Wouldn't you agree, Gillian? Isn't it when they uh, yeah? Who are the other teachers here? We've got a few. Yeah, Rachel, Mrs. Mrs. Yeah, I've forgotten the name. Collis. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah, um, I was actually I was I was at the um, mainly music father's and grandfather's night on Friday night and I was talking to a woman and I said, look, I've been teaching in a boys school and I don't know how I got round to it, but she said, you know, oh, smelly, sweetie, teenage boys. I says, yeah, but, but when the light went on about something, I couldn't smell a thing. It was just grey. So, yeah. Yeah. So, a reformer is a person who improves things and don't you love it when someone turns to you and says, thanks, that has made a real difference to me. It's just awesome. Yeah. And that is what God calls us to be also, reformers, people who make improvements. You know, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth down uh, as it is in heaven. What's up there is much better than down here. Let's bring it down. And so so God's invitation, his request to us, is that we, we work in eternal reformation, which has eternal benefits both for ourselves and for those that we help. We know that often and may cause us hardship or sacrifice to bring about improvement. And often we may do things for which the beneficiary either doesn't know, or actually may not even appreciate, but we just do it anyway because it's a good thing to do. So let's have a look at Hezekiah, um, and just give a wee bit of background to him. <clears throat> he was the son of Ahaz who reigned for 16 evil years, which included sacrificing the son in the fire, engaging in the detestable practices of surrounding nations, offering sacrifices to other gods everywhere, high places, hilltops, every spreading tree. Um, during that time, he was attacked by the kings of Aram and of, and of Israel, and so he pledged allegiance to the king of Assyria to come and protect him from that, and part of that deal was he built an altar to the Assyrian god, which was also put in the temple as well. Um, so let's just pick it up, um, thanks Luke, um, at Second Kings 18 it says, there it says, in the third year of Hoshea son of Elah king of Israel, Hezekiah son of Ahaz king of Judah began to reign, he was 25 years old when he became king and he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years, his mother's name was Abijah, daughter of Zechariah, yeah he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord just as his father David had done He removed the high places, he smashed the sacred stones, he cut down the Asherah poles, he broke into pieces the bronze snake Moses had made, for up at that time the Israelites had been burning incense to it. Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before or after him. He held fast to the Lord and did not stop following him. He kept the commands the Lord had given Moses. And the Lord was with him. He was successful in whatever he undertook. He rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve him. And it goes on that out of that rebelling against the king, um, the king of Assyria came against him. Hezekiah stayed faithful against a mammoth army. And in the end of chapter 19, you see that the Lord destroyed the Assyrian army without Hezekiah and his army having to lift a finger. Just awesome. It must have taken Hezekiah some time to purge the land, don't you think? Issuing decrees, hard conversations, this is the way we're doing things now, you're not worshipping that anymore, I'm kicking some people out. Um, It must have been a really hostile period, he brought change and those sorts of things, but he kept at it in accordance with what God had, and and he got there. Um, And Judah flourished, because the Lord's hand of blessing was on Hezekiah's steadfast obedience. It'd be great to say that Hezekiah finished that way, but he didn't. He didn't stay the course. And, and it was built around the time of his illness that you probably remember, um, where am I? That he, that he got ill and the prophet Isaiah came and saw him and said, look, this is going to lead to your death. At the time he was 39 and he was, he was bitterly upset about it. And as you know, cried out to the Lord and the Lord said, yep, okay, um, I will grant you another 15 years. Um, and he confirmed it with an amazing miracle of the sun going backwards for a time out of its rotation And that. Um, Bill Johnson asked the question, you know, was it wrong for Hezekiah to ask for more time? And you know, given that as it went from there, things changed for him. And he says, no, it's not. Because uh, God could have said, well, no, you know, I'm not going to grant it to you. So the Lord was gracious and gave him what he asked for. But something happened in Hezekiah's heart Somewhere along the way in that, he grew proud and indifferent to God. He flaunted the many, many riches to the envoys that came and showed them absolutely all of his treasures. And this really disappointed God who said to him, or Isaiah had Isaiah say to Hezekiah, the day is actually going to come when all those treasures will be carried off to Babylon, including some of your family. Where Hezekiah was at that stage was, oh, phew, I'm all right, Jack. It's not going to happen in my time. I'll be sweet. And when you contrast this with the guy who cried out to God for wonderful miracles against the Assyrian, what happened to him? Scripture indicates there were two things. Hezekiah became comfortable with his wealth, and secondly, he became comfortable and routine-like in his attitude towards God. Basically, he lost his edge. His devotion, his relationship with God became basically stale and tepid. I'll be all right, Jack. I'll, um, I'll just live it out from here. And so there's a real warning in that, that we've got to be diligent to stay the course. Um, Hezekiah didn't, and ultimately it had the disastrous results of overturning a lot of the wonderful reforms that he had made um, with his dedication, his love, his commitment. The son who took the throne after him was Manasseh, who reversed a lot of the great things he did and actually led Judah down a destructive path again. Um, Manasseh was born uh, during that period of the 15 years, and so the inference was that how Hezekiah lived in that time influenced how Manasseh was as it went forward. If we lose our hunger for him, if we drift away from him, we stop growing. We become careless. We stop being reformers. We let things slide. In Proverbs 30, 7-9, it says two things. I ask of you, Lord, do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? So there was a question there was, well, if the Lord gives you too much, how much is too much? Bill Johnson's definition was any amount that stops me trusting God. How often it's so much easier to pray when we're in need, how less so it can be when we have plenty, to be praying in the same frame, worship, adoration, softness, and those things. But you know, it, it, it's not an easy thing to do either, as Hezekiah showed. It's actually one of the hardest things to do, to be soft before God when we have, live in plenty or have um, victory. It's hard to keep an open spirit, a teachable nature, to keep a cutting edge on our lives when we're in abundance. One of Bill's, those statements that they give, which sort of sit you up straight, he says, you know, um, that it is the lack of the fear of the Lord is one of the main reasons for our living carelessly. Ouch. Ouch. We've got to be careful to maintain our reverence and respect to our amazing God, who calls us, calls us to be reformers, to bring improvements, to make changes for the sake of others. And there are, there, there are so many things that we can do. When our children were, co- were, were toddlers, we had a neighbour who came down the road to say, and as she was chatting, she would be folding, folding the washing, the nappy, she'd do dishes, she'd be looking around for things to do. And it was just so good when things were so busy, wasn't there. It was, it was great. Um, we sometimes got gifts we, and outings, which were so sustaining for us when life was so busy. We had many acts of kindness at a time when we just we couldn't repay it all. Um, yeah. So my, I guess my question is, do you know anybody like that? Is there someone out there who needs your ear or a meal or needs to be taken to the supermarket or anything like that or a gift? Or do they need a word of encouragement or anything like that? One of the, the legacies or the strong things about Hudson and Joan when they were here was they often sent out cards to different people around, words of encouragement, just saying, yeah, you're going well, you're doing a good job, keep it going. It was, it was so good. Um, and I know that there are some people amongst us that still do it now, and I think that's just really awesome. Um, others send texts. Um, how often it is that people say, you, know, you hear, I wasn't in good space when your text came, or gosh, it was just fantastic that you were thinking of me uh, uh, and let me know it. Yeah. Sometimes it isn't easy either, is it? You know, that in being a reformer for people, you have to go up to someone and say, look, I've actually noticed you seem to be doing such and such and such, and I'm not sure that's a good thing for you to do, and those sorts of things. Um, you often have to push through a barrier to do it, and often it may not be appreciated. Um, Early in my life, I I wasn't actually that great at receiving feedback. I uh, often got defensive and pushed back until it dawned on me that actually people coming to me was an act of love and commitment, and um, by a giver who wanted me to be better, and that was great. So, and also sometimes doing that requires sacrifice on our behalf for the sake of others, um, and we need to push through our tendency to. For comfort and and ease. In the midst of all this as well, is that we need to make sure that we ourselves stay open to being reformed also. Um, so you know, to go before God and say, Lord, am I still on the cutting edge? Am I still open to you? Is there anyone out there that you would have me contact in order to bring some improvement and freedom to their lives? Am I still open to the opportunity of being reformed by others? Am I able to accept input? Am I teachable? Do I have a healthy fear of the Lord? And we do need to be constantly reflecting on that, no matter how old we are, age or stage that we are. In my early 50s, I was administration manager at Kendon's Chartered Accountants. I had shares in the business. I had a really good salary and benefits. The kids were grown, were largely gone. They come back every now and then, it has changed with flattening prices and all that, but they come and they go. We had a heck of a lot more disposable income. Trips around the world were beckoning, and I had a soft job um, to go out and I could have fun for the rest of the journey. But I couldn't. I was stale, the job had little challenge, and actually the firm could, could have done with someone fresh in my seat for the sake of the firm as well. So Jeanette and I discussed it. And at 55, I quit, and I didn't have a job to go to. Um, you may recall I, I did a few weeks as the roadie for the big bikes for the tour around the North Island, and I did a, a small stint contracting before coming to the role here at Lane Park, um, and I've loved it. You know, church leadership. Well, we know about church leadership. There's some great points, and there's so not so ones at all. But we all know about that. But here. I'm fully engaged, and what I'm doing is, um, is, is drawing from much deeper in me than in my life and other jobs that I've had, and uh, I just love that. Um, because I don't ever want to be a passenger. I don't ever want to be closed or to learning or being reformed by the input of others or to put my feet up. I want to be a different person in 10 years' time, and I want to be a different person 10 years after that as well. You know? I don't ever want to be out of the game. And I always want to be a reformer, a person who lives for the benefit of a future generation, a person who makes changes in order to improve it. I want to make my time count. And my prayer is that you, you, you would also. Thanks. Amen.
1: Well, I get the really exciting bit. Um, uh, I loved Manifest Presence. It was really cool, praising the Lord with 2,000 other people. Um, and if you want loud music, whoo <laughs> it was loud. Um. <laughs> um, so the person that most uh, impacted me was Sean Bowles. He was just amazing. Um, and we're going to listen to him in just a minute. He stated that his mission was to develop healthy love-based prophecy in this generation. He was a very down-to-earth guy, could tell a great story. He's an author, a TV host, producer, pastor. He's passionate about seeing individuals and groups learn how to be the most connected, best version of themselves through their relationship with God. Now, some say a prophecy is worth a thousand sermons and so i'd like to give you two prophecies now from sean at conference
2: I'll do a couple of prophetic words to model that come kind of can break us out of uh, just teaching mode go ahead and sit down um, thanks for listening you guys are awesome Nothing else you got a kick out of my story with my wife. (laughs) You would like her. She's like a New Zealander. She's a little inappropriate. (laughs) She would fit right in. Um, I'm just going to go with this to start. And I always have a joke that I usually miss the first one when Bill's here. It's just my nerves, I think. But... uh, I'm going to try anyways. I, I don't know. You're like one of the only people in the world. You celebrate me most, and I, I get nervous around you every time. Isn't that bizarre? I, I'm not, I don't have a lot of insecurity left, but it's, it manifests sometimes. Um, but here's, here's a phone number I'm going to try, and I don't know what area code this would be, so I didn't try and call it today because I only had a few of the numbers, but it was 410 Is that anybody's phone number? 410 is there somebody? Oh, you're waving. You're right up there. This is awesome. This is for real, for real. This is so good. Okay, so do you have the microphone to them? Can you talk? Okay. Is this your phone number?
1: Yes. Yes.
2: Is it like a home phone, a cell phone?
1: Um, home phone.
2: A home phone. Yeah. Well, Jesus knows how to get a hold of you for sure because he brought an American <laughs> who doesn't even know your area code and get, got your phone number. I, unfortunately, I have like nothing else, so Holy Spirit, show me. <laughs> I am modeling process. You take the first step, and then you might fall off the stage. That's great. Uh, uh, is, is, there a, is there a Brian in your life? You're Brian?
0: Yeah. Yes.
2: <laughs> well, Brian, he knows how to get a hold of you guys. This is so good, and he got you here at the meeting. Uh, I'm just seeing when I was talking about birthdays I kept saying April my birthday is in April, is your birthday in April Brian?
0: yeah 22
2: Yes, yay for April and I think 22 is significant because I feel like God really wants to do something about um, we were talking with Mark about this is your birthday the 22nd too so this is good I was seeing Isaiah 22, 22 and then I had given Mark his birthday one time and it was the same day as yours and it brought great breakthrough in his life it was great But I feel like there's a great breakthrough coming for you that God's giving you a key for something as a couple and as a family. He's giving you a key for something that uh, uh, has felt very locked or very – I I feel like it's some of the promises and things he's spoken to you about that he's never given you access to yet. He's told you many things, but he hasn't given you full access. And I feel like you're about to have a great access to what God's promised you and what you're believing for. And you're actually going to inspire a lot of other people too to how to access their promises from God – And this next season because of what happens in your life. And I feel like I'm not joking when God says he has your number. He literally is going to start talking to you in a new way. And you're going to hear him in a new way, just like a friend talks to a friend. You're going to hear God in a really special way that I feel like, I'm going to use the word spectacular at times, that God's going to speak to you first for you guys and for your family, but then it's going to go beyond that where God's going to speak to you in a way that you would speak to somebody that you would need to call. And so I just want to say God's calling you out for a reason And I bless you guys. I bless this next April 22nd birthday that's coming next year to be full of the grace and empowerment of God in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you guys. Wow. You have no idea. I'm like giving a uh, phone number and I'm sweating like you wouldn't believe. I feel like I just played a football game. I'm like, wow. It's good for you to see that. I still get nervous. I mean, I'm trying this out all the time. And I get just as nervous sometimes in church as I do if I'm in an office with somebody who doesn't even know Jesus. And I'm like trying this out. You know, it's just, it's just nerve-wracking to do something that's not completely organic to your humanity, although it is. It's, it's risk and taking a risk any time. Like, I'm, I'm a creature of great faith and I've done a lot of my bucket list and I'm pretty adventurous. But I still get real scared. And I have a key. This is called a giving key on me. It's called, it says fearless on it. Because i it's still taking steps. I have to remind myself. Sometimes i hold my key. I'll be like, okay, be fearless, be fearless. Go ahead and do it. You know, just because it's still nerve-wracking 20 years in. So just so you know, um, we all have to go for it. So, Jesus, I'm, I'm buying time because I don't know what to do next. <laughs> I'll try another out there thing for me. Um, I wrote down this name and I don't know what language this would be, but it's P-A-P-A-L-I-L. P-A-P-A-L-I-L. Is that anybody, is that a name for somebody, like a surname or a name? Someone's, someone's, they're all pointing somewhere. Is it way up high? Why do you guys have to sit in the balcony who I'm getting words for? What's going on? He's coming.
0: Yeah, that's my uh, my my title, P A P A L I I, Papali.
2: It's your title. What does the title yes. mean?
0: Uh, I'm a chief, Salmon chief.
2: Oh, okay. Well, the Lord's honoring you tonight because He knew He knows I don't know this, and He's honoring you. And I just feel like I have a prophecy for you about next year, 2019. I feel like you faced a bunch of adversity over the last few years. Yeah. And. Um, and you've just gone through a lot in your family. There's been so much that's happened. And I feel like God's uh, prophecy is that uh, you're going to reach a tipping point towards the end of this year, beginning of next year. And just as there was a season of, it felt like at times, dismantling and frustration and health issues and things that happened in your family, there's going to be a season of mantling your family with the goodness and the grace of God that's been promised from the beginning. The first time you set your faith to the Lord, This stuff was sent like in Daniel. It was sent to you, but there's been a great delay in the spirit over the war, over your whole tribe, your family, your friendships. And I'm telling you, that war has been won, and you're about to see the results of it. Something's going to break through. Something's going to shift. And not only are you going to feel remantled or retitled, you're going to feel like that grace you have as a chief, and even in your family, there's going to be a grace that manifests for breakthrough, for things to tip in your favor. The scales are tipping in your favor from heaven, but it's not just for you, it's for your people. And I'm thinking of Solomon and how the Queen of Sheba came to Solomon and said, God has raised up a man like you because it proves he loves his people. And God is raising you up to be a man filled with faith because he loves his people that you're, you're a leader of. And so just know this is your season.
1: Oh, isn't that awesome and so he he spoke three times uh gave a teaching and each time he had oh, i don't know uh about 10 um about half an hour of prophecies words of knowledge and prophecies it was i've just never experienced anything like it it was it was awesome none of us got words but that, I was just excited to be there um, yeah, and he's just amazingly accurate, um, and he just put his guts on the line. It was whoa, incredible. Um, but his belief is that we can all do that. We can all have words of knowledge, and we can all prophesy, and he's le- made it his life's mission to um, give us the how-tos. Um, he's written a number of books. Um, this one um, is available at M- Mana. Um, there's another one um, um, that he uh, wrote last year. There's also a curriculum for children, and we um, thought about getting it, but it was sold out by the time um, we decided that, yes, we would. So we'll talk to um, our children's church about about that. Um, yeah, so we, he really is not making it – he doesn't want to make it a mystery. Um, God has thoughts and intentions towards each one of us, towards our family, towards this earth, towards governments, and towards occupations. Scripture tells us he discloses his secrets to those he trusts. Those he trusts. Do you want to be one that he trusts? He relates information to reshape the direction of our life. Words of knowledge come when God wants to deposit his intimate knowledge inside our hearts and minds so that we can get a new perspective. Words of knowledge create an aha moment. God is real, God is here, and he loves us. He loves you. Um, It creates a space. For people to be in awe of, and even shocked by what God knows and how intimate He is with us in the midst of all our rubbish and our humanity. Um, there's lots of examples in the Bible of words of knowledge. I'm just going to do just a couple, um, just to prove to you that I'm it's, it's biblical. Um, so speaking of Daniel, God spoke these four to these four youths, great. Sorry, gave these four youths great ability to learn. They soon mastered all the literature and science of the time. And God gave to Daniel special ability to understand the meaning of dreams and visions. So in the New Testament, in John 4, the, la- the woman at the well, um, in speaking to Jesus, I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. In fact, you've had five husbands, and the man you're now living with is not your husband. What you have said is quite true, sir, the woman said. I can see you are a prophet. Jesus couldn't have known these facts about her unless the Holy Spirit told him. Um, He was dependent on the Holy Spirit just as we are. Um, So he he got these facts um, right from the Holy Spirit. And she became a believer and brought her whole village to God. And so I just wonder, are you guys thinking, well, can't expect me to be like Jesus? He was one of a kind. He never got anything wrong. That's the thing about words of knowledge, eh? They're right or they're wrong. If you give a phone number, (laughs) what? If you call out a name, hmm. Um in fact, um Sean did do two wrong, and um out of about <laughs> I don't know thirty um he called out something, and there was nobody here with that, so you know you do make mistakes as well, but that's what we worry about, don't we we and we don't want to appear like some weirdo, thus saith the Lord and um, and we don't um we just we don't want to get it wrong really, um but if we don't say things, then someone misses out, misses out of a great encouragement, a key to their, to their future. Um, it could even bring them to faith. And the other thing is, you don't get any better at it if you don't give it a go and try and practice. So I'm just inviting us, can we rethink this worry of ours? Sean encourages, saying he thinks that the voice of God is going to be really big in this next move of God. So, do we want to be on the cutting edge of the next move of God? Good question. Can we not encourage the person that we're talking to and say, um, oh, look, you know, I'm new to this. Just test the word, see if it comes true or not. Can we be honest and say, look, I'm really nervous, but I think there's an Angela in the house today, or whatever. Can we just give it a go? Sean encouraged us to think of giving words as more about relationship than message. That really helped me. He was constantly emphasizing the love aspect of giving words. We show God's love through these words. They must be encouraging, otherwise they're not from God's heart of love. He suggested that, this is quite a good one line: that God is the most relational being in the universe. And we as people, created in his image, need to be people who relate well to people. Yeah, it makes sense, eh? So when you're listening for God's voice for someone, use soft language. You heard it, you, you see it there. He's, he's saying, well, I think this and that. And he's he's saying, well, I sometimes get it wrong. I sometimes fall off the stage. You know, he, he's cracking a few um, funnies, and he's trying to make people feel at ease. Um, so you don't have to say... I feel that God says that somebody has a birthday in April, they need to come forward. You say, oh, you know, does April mean anything to anybody? You know, maybe a birthday. Um, Oh, there's there's a problem at work. You know, just, you know, nice, easy language. So we have to start somewhere. We have to, you know, baby steps, falling over and getting up again. And we need to practice. We need to try it out and get feedback from the people. Did it stack up? Was it right? Did it work out? Did it happen? How do we hear from God? So he, Sean reckons, the most um, common way is through impressions. Feelings or thoughts dropped into your mind. The voice of your inner conscience. And he cutely said that it probably sounds quite a lot like your voice. (laughs) Um, words of knowledge can also come from association. One of the prophecies he was talking to this guy called him out, and uh, he says, "Oh, I see this, I see this candle with a wick. Uh, I'm, I'm having wick kind of um, emphasised to me." And, and the guy laughed. He says, "Oh, my name's whatever wicks." Um, so. If he's thinking about his brother-in-law, Jeremy, then the guy might be Jeremy. Um, so that's the way it works for him, and it, it might be the same for you. Um, we need to be um, dedicated in our Bibles and worshipping, and there's another cute saying, the, the neurons that fire together wire together. So if you want to draw on the love of God or um a scripture or whatever, you, you actually need to have it in there in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> um, children can learn to have words of knowledge. They had a really cool testimony. Um, uh, the Harborside kids learn this curriculum. They've been doing it for about a year. So somebody's daughter was drawing a picture of one of the girls that was in the group, the singing group and she had a really long neck and the mother said to her, oh, why have you drawn her with a really long neck? And she said, oh, well, God told me that she's got a sore throat and that we need to pray for her. And so she said, oh, well, let's do that then. And so they prayed for her, and then they checked it out with this girl actually on stage. And she said, yeah, I did have a sore throat, and I've been able to sing all conference. So yay, yay for kids. So in summary, Sean's words of knowledge reminded us in a vivid way that God knows us every detail. He loves us, really loves us, and wants to encourage us in our lives. He knows that life is hard. He really does. Um, he's for us and not against us. So, with that, I would like to. We um, we had a couple of times where we were imparted to just by prayer. So, I'd like to do the same for you. So, if you could stay, stand up, please, and put your hand on your forehead doesn't matter if it's the left one or the right one. (laughs) And um, we're just going to pray. Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would impart to all of us the ability to have words of knowledge and prophecy, that Lord, you would just give us an amazing love for our families, those around us, our friends, our flatmates, our schoolmates, and that you, Lord, would shed this love abroad in this place and use us. I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.